Welcome, everybody, to Dropping the Gloves with Tim and John. I hope everybody's having a good Friday. Very excited. Another, another great guest, Tim, we got. How do we, how do we pull these guys out of the hat? How do we do it? You're just well-connected, John. You know what it is? I, I've been trying to get this guy in the show for a better, better part of a year and a half, and he's just so busy. He's just always all over the world, really, and he finally – I pinned him down, and he, he agreed to an interview. And Marty Turkle is on the show. Marty, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Good to see you, pal. I'm glad we finally figured this out. And Tim, nice to make your acquaintance. I look forward to uh, the next little while. Should be fun. It will be fun. So what? let's just give a brief recap for all the fans. You retired a few years back. What are you doing uh, with your time now? Where are you spending your time? What's going on with you, my man? Yes, it's sad to think, you know, it's um, probably coming up on nine years, maybe eight wow. years since I last played uh, professional hockey. And I got to tell you, man, before I was up in Sault Ste. Marie um, when I decided to call it quits. And before I even told my wife, before, before, before I told Kelly, I actually booked her a flight to come back down to Dallas. Um, I talked to a builder buddy of mine to make sure we got a place to live, get the kids back in school. And I was just looking forward to getting back to Texas. Um, I've been here now for the last 20 years, all but two of it. So, you know, play for 10, was a black ace even for two years before that. Um, and we've been living here for the last eight plus years on the, on the retired side. So I work full time for the stars, uh, work with VP on the business side, also run the foundation, which is uh, something always was near and dear to my heart during my playing career. And before that was just helping out the community and being a good, citizen and um and so just gonna be around the hockey still is, is a lot of fun uh for me just making a lot of meeting a lot of great people and you know hockey man like there's no better fans in the world and yeah. it even applies down here in texas we got a lot of people who aren't from texas we got a lot of people we've made fans of that are from here and uh my cousin and i kind of close to your neck of the woods we started a brewery in kingsville ontario which is just south of detroit and windsor on lake erie so uh, for you and I, man, Great Lakes have been a big part of our, our life, you know, ever since you've kind of left the Golden Horseshoe down there. And Sault Ste. Marie for me, your tech. And, you know, I kind of lost my way when I went to Ann Arbor for a few years. But um, we got the brewery. It's doing well. We're in Ontario all over the place. Uh, we're in Texas. And uh, we'll get to Michigan soon. Very cool. You mentioned Ann Arbor. I was surprised when I met you. And, yeah, I, I know about your history. Why did you go to Ann Arbor? Because usually kids in Canada – they, they come up and they go to the OHL. Like, that's a no-brainer. That's how you get to the NHL. That's how you progress your career. You were a good goalie. I'm sure you had options. Why did you go to the U of M? Like, I, I still don't understand it. Yeah, all right. So I was playing in Cambridge. You know, I was a Winterhawk. Yeah. And, um, well, before that, growing up in the Sioux, we've had long history of great junior players and none more important than – Revered the Wayne Gretzky. I was two, three years old. He rolled through town. Uh, you know, Ron Francis is an idol of mine. He's born and raised in the Sioux, played for the Greyhounds. We had John Van Beesbrook. I got to watch. Joe uh, Thornton was there for a while. Yeah, Joe, Joe was younger than me, so he didn't really have an influence on me. Um, but we had a lot, I mean, I went to a lot of games. You know, my grandfather had that was the longest tenured season ticket holder for the Greyhounds. So to say that I wanted to play in the O and just, for the grounds is an understatement. It really did, man. And, and uh, the good fortune for me is uh, my first year midget, that draft year, um, I wasn't great start the year, not just like I was having a bad year. I just wasn't good, period. You know, I was <laughs> super small and uh, I was just hitting my growth spurt. And I'm, you know, I, I 
going at the high school, I wasn't five feet tall. So it just, it was hard to be a good goalie when you're just really that small and just have no strength. So anyway, um, I never got drafted the O at 17. And then at, um, then I went, I went, we went to my second year, Benjamin, we went to their Canada cup and we had a great year. And I really started hitting my stride as a goalie. And now I'm 17 turning 18 that summer. I got invited to uh, Guelph storm camp. We had like, there's Roman Adur, Jeff O'Neill, um, um, Sylvain Cloutier that I grew up with. It was brother Danny. I was between the two of them. And then uh, yeah, a couple, but anyway, this, the, the, the GM, I had 48 hours, right? I was going to Cambridge anyway. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'll come for my 48 hours. And I walked up to the GM's office. Um, I still have a thank you to this day. And I said, Hey man, he's like, Hey, you made the team. You know, it was another goalie. He was 18 years old. He's like, you know, you two just go battle it out. This guy was there the year before. So he kind of was designated starter. And hey, long story short, just the guy's like, you know what? I'm like, what am I doing here? I go, two years to beat this guy out, get an NHL contract. I'm like, what else am I doing here? And the guy said, yes. You know, didn't give me no song and dance or make something up. And and I'm like, God, so I'm going to get one of these scholarship things. Literally what I said to him. And I had no family advisor. My dad wasn't there. I had no uncle, nobody else, no coaches with me. I was by myself. And But making that decision as an 18-year-old versus 16, which a lot of kids have to do with their family, I think that's almost unfair and tough. But it uh, worked itself out for me. And, and then I'll never forget the first day Mel Pearson, now uh, the coach for Michigan, walked in, my, walked in my high school in Cambridge and and I was like, Michigan, like the Fab Five was still there. And I would see football every weekend on TV. And so it was a dream come true, one that I never knew, I never had <laughs> walking onto that campus. And it was a fun four years, to say the least. Well, it's funny because I, I got offered a scholarship to Michigan Tech and I didn't know what college hockey was. Right. Like I had no idea. Like you said, it was just like, yeah, I'm going to go get a scholarship somewhere. I, I didn't know what the NCAA was. And I can't imagine 10 years before it was any more popular. Well, my, my first college hockey game growing up in the Sioux, we had Lake Superior State across the river. Okay. But my first game was actually in Houghton. It was a Michigan Tech Husky game when I was uh, probably 13 years old. We were there playing in our league and, and ended up, you know, went to a game. And I was like, man, this is really good hockey. These guys are dynamite. And, uh, I mean, I think I told you this one, but I, I did get a scholarship offer to Tech after the Air Canada Cup. Uh, Jamie Ram was a mm-hmm. senior, was an All-American. They, it was late in the year, so they're like, "Hey, we'll register you, but who cares? You know, Jamie Ram's here; he's going to play senior year." And I was like, yeah. "I was like, whoa, whoa, man! I'm not, not ready for this. I have no, I have no clue what." I'm, I was like, "Yeah, I'm like, what is this stuff?" And so I went and took my chances at another year, and and actually got drafted to the Stars playing in Cambridge too. So I got the scholarship and I got drafted by Stars. It was, it was a crazy year, but. Uh, uh, you know, got no regrets anyway. I guess you can't make all the right decisions because just imagine if you would have went to tech where you would have been. Oh, ah. just the Hall of Fame. You'd still be playing. It just would it would have been special. You would have just gotten the coaching you needed to be a really, really good goalie. It's too bad how things work out. <laughs> uh, I mean, I love Lake Superior, but I just needed to change the scenery. So you go to the U of M, you're, you're playing under – uh, Hall of Fame coach, Red Berenson, you win two national championships. You win a ton of awards. Do you feel like you would have made the show if you didn't go to the U of M? I don't think so. Um, just because, you know, the, 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 how hard it is. And, you know, I think a lot of the, the 
you, you, how I was perceived was as being a champion, playing on big stage, big moments. We went to four Final Fours, you know, yeah. so we won two, but we lost two. And but just being on those big stages, playing with those great teams, um, you know, the stars or anybody would have been like, all right, does this guy have the moxie? Let's give him a chance. He has proven it a little bit. And, and even then, it was the tutelage under Red and and, all, and Mel and Billy, our coaches. Uh, the players I got to play with, like every day in practice was just a war zone of just NHL caliber shots. And uh, and the school too, you know, like the school just going there just gives you confidence. It was such an amazing place. Senior year football won a national championship and made a lot of great friends. But uh, to answer the question, I, I, I don't know. And even that I did do it. I didn't play one game until I was 25 years old in the NHL. Yeah. So it took it took me a while, you know, mentally, physically maturing, and um, and just get that opportunity. And uh, even then, I had the expansion draft at my service uh, in '99 and in 2000 that helped pave the way for me for goalies to get removed out of the star system. So the, Michigan was was big no matter what happened, and it still is today. It still shapes my life with all the things that I do. So you mentioned in practice how hard it was and how how much it helped you. So for, for our listeners, Mike Legg, he, he did the infamous goal behind the net. You pick it up on your stick, you, you stuff it up under the crossbar. What did you think when he pulled that off? Because you were the starting goalie. And did he ever try it on you in practice? Did you see him practice again? Did he, was, were you the victim of that goal before he did it in the game? Well, this is, this is the best part of the story. I mean, most people don't know. And the fact that it's on NHL EA Sports now called the Michigan um, we're like, Lager, you, you melt this thing like no one's business. But he, he deserves all the credit. Um, I think Derek Armstrong or someone did it before him in a minor league game. But So Lager did it every day in practice. Not once. Really? He, like 15, 20 times. I, 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 I got really mad at him one day because he was so good at it. He had such good stick skills. He'd come down like shooting drill right down the middle of the ice and he'd scoop it up and spin it around like a lacrosse shot. And, and you know, my whole life I've been the little black puck on the white ice, I see it coming. If you ever get stumbled around, you know where to look. It's on the ice somewhere. Well, when it's not on the ice and it's a cross-style shot and guys whipping you around and, you know, you just don't feel protected and, you know, me, I get a little, I get a, I get a little ornery in practice sometimes. So I was like, I'm like, man, I'm going to kill you too. I'm like, stop doing that. That's, it hurts. You're going to get me in the neck one time. Then we're going to have problems. But he did it every day. And that game against uh, Minnesota Gophers, it was a quarterfinal NCAA tournament game. We're getting smoked pretty well. It was 2-1, but they were all playing. It was really bad. He scored that goal. And I was looking down there. And I was like, oh, no effing way. Are you kidding me? He did it. Their whole bench knew what happened. They went dead. The crowd was stunned. We are like, we went on to – we ended up winning that game, obviously. went on to win our first national championship in 34 years. And uh, you can really look at one moment that was the, that was the turning point for us. It was, it was that goal. So it was, it was big for our program's history. It was big for that game, us, that season. And certainly it was big for Red and his career. And, and now Mike Legg's really milking it for all it's worth. <laughs> I know about milking things, Marty. Have you seen the All-Star <laughs> game? Dude, I'll tell you, I couldn't have been happier. I mean, I was like – you know, man, we, we've got such a great bond. And I was like, it was the best also game I've ever seen. And oh, I did a couple of them. I'm like, this is, it was just, it's what it's supposed to be. It really was. So I was really pumped for you. I mean, all the guys were great, but uh, the way you handled it, it was just, it was a breath of fresh air. And it's what really hockey needed, to oh, be honest right. with you. Thank you. 
Thank you. So, so Marty, fast forward a little bit, and uh, you got to back up Eddie Belfour for a couple of years in Dallas, and then when you're finally given the the starter reigns, you broke the NHL record with a 1.73 goals against. You finished second in the Vezina voting. I mean, were you just chomping at the bit? Were you confident that you'd do well once you got that chance, or did you surprise even yourself that year? Uh, I, I had a lot of confidence in my ability, and back then, you know, the goaltending coaching wasn't much either, right? Like, it was like, you know, watching Eddie self-taught pretty much, even though he had some Chuchiak influence, so I was pretty jealous of. Um, that year I played, I sat down at Patrick Wall in an all-star game, and, you know, he's one who had kind of a style, but for the most part, you know, the Hashiks and, hey, you know, Curtis Joseph, their style was no style, and so that were my skills I could – I felt good about playing in the NHL. Um, but, that pretty, you know, leading up to that, I was – Black Ace for both Cup runs of the Stars in 99-2000, backed up Eddie for two years. And, you know, one of the years I led the league at Sabre Sands, and I had, you know, I was doing well. So I, I was ready. I went to play in the World Championships that year, and Doug Armstrong was the – he helped get me there. He was our GM for the Stars at the time, and now he's the GM of the Olympic team again. And he can't stab my house. He's like, hey, I'm not resigning Eddie. You're the guy. And so he gave me a lot of confidence as well. And that year, we were unreal. We had – you know, Sador, Zuboff, Hatcher were still there. Trevor Daly, Robida uh, was around. Like, we just – defensemen we had were – I can't even think John Clem was a dynamite defensive guy. So, just – and our forwards nonetheless. But we, we had a really good team. Dave Tippett, first-year coaching. He's a goalie's hmm. dream as, as a coach. Um, and so, yeah, you kind of know you had it in, the, in you. But to have a 1.72, not 1.73 goals against you, kind of chins to me a little bit. Uh, the we rounded just, up. Hockey yeah. reference says 1.73. You got to give him a call. Yeah, Tim, right. on the notes, it says 1.72. So you might just be mistaken. Oh, but there I'm you go. Way to go. Just, I mean, your first question, and you just <laughs> one. Uh, it's a good career. But anyway, the year, the year was magical. Um, looking back now, Tony Tony Esposito had held the record before that. And he, was a, he was a Sioux guy and a Michigan Tech guy. Yeah. On top of it. So for, to get a letter from him to break his record, um, at that time, the 932 Saber Sanders was probably equally as impressive. Only Hashik had a higher one at like 937 at that time. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody in the 930. So the year was a banner year. I, I missed 16 games, a high ankle sprain, and we're, you know, we're just there to win cups. That's, you know, our job. So numbers aside, it was, yeah, it was a great year, but, uh, should have won the Vesna, to be honest. I mean, those two numbers alone, 30 wins ahead, 10 losses only. But uh, that was Berdur's first Vesna, so the GMs, a couple of GMs told me that he deserved to win one, and they said, we're going to give him this one, and uh, you'll probably win some yourself. And I'm like, you know. Thanks for it. nothing. Yeah. It is funny how the voting works that way, where if a guy doesn't have an award and they feel like he's had a good career, they just kind of the fixes in almost. You see it with the Norris. You see it with the MVP a few, a few times. So, yeah. I don't know. Anyways, you mentioned Hatcher. Was he the dirtiest player you've ever played with or just like the hardest-nosed player you've ever played with? You know, honestly, not the hardest, neither of those. I'm not saying he wasn't super tough and scary for other guys. He's a big dude, man. Yeah. Uh, he, he leaned on his stick. I mean, Maff and Chuck beside him was dirtier with his stick, um, but he was dirtier because he had Hatcher beside him. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know, he just felt a little more comfortable uh, when number two was on the ice. But uh, he's he was good, man. Like He was way better than people gave him credit for. I'd throw him some grenades behind the goal line, moving it side to side. He'd easily just scoop him up and move the puck down down the other side. But uh, it was it was a good captain. It was pretty quiet. But you remember back then, 
Yeah. You know, we had leaders on the team. It wasn't young like the leagues are today. So he, he had a lot of help around him. But, uh, you know, Bob Ganey made him captain because that's how we wanted to be viewed when we showed up in the other team's arenas. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's our guy. He's, he's with us. And so he was <laughs> he was pretty dirty. I always say he, he took a few – he took some big suspensions, you know, every couple of years just to keep people scared of him, you know. And and the first game I ever got called up for was the, the day he broke Ronick's jaw. Ronick's jaw, yeah. Know. I was in. I woke up in Kalamazoo that morning. Uh, somehow made the start of the game after taking pregame skate in Kalamazoo. Got all the way to a reunion reunion arena, and uh, I was like, "Man, I just left the minor leagues." You know, I'm watching this crap all again. <laughs> Sador's bleeding on me. I almost got a fight with Kachuk, and then Ronix gets his jaw broken by Hatch. It was his bedlam, but uh, it was it was a pretty fun first time to wear a star's jersey in a regular season game. You mentioned he wasn't like your typical leader. Who was the guy in the room? Was it Madonna? Who was the guy who kind of just, was it Sador, Zubov? Like, what was the room like? It certainly was, um, you know, that cup team being around it. Uh, Madonna, no, he was even quieter. Uh, Sador had a pretty good voice, but the big ones were probably, you know, it was Carboneau, Mike Keane. We had Brian Scrudlin, Joe Neuendijk was, you know, to me, he was the, um, he was the big brother, you know, just keeping an eye on everybody. There was no clicks. He had all everybody's attention, uh, you know, to, to do it. I mean, we had Sean Chambers was, was on that team, um, you know, looking around was like, it was, it was, it was just pretty darn loaded for, for guys and, and, and the experience. And, you know, I'm just even missing a few of them, um, Tony Herkus was on the team. I got my list over here. Uh, Gabe Dog, Doug Litzer. He never even played. Doug Litzer, Brett Severin, Pat Verbeek. I mean, come on, Beaker of all people. Like, yeah, that's was a loaded a, roster. He was loaded. And, and Roman Turk was the backup, and nobody could score on a practice. I was like, how am I ever going to play in this league? These guys are just dynamite. <laughs> Eddie was all world. Anyway, it was it a was really good, fun experience. Highly memorable for my first year pro and being a part okay. of that, that, that run. All right, I'm going to let everybody in on a little secret of how to get faster, how to get stronger, how to become a better hockey player. In the NHL, we put weights around our ankles. We, we go to the gym, we, we, we strap them on our ankles, we strap them on our legs. It's really cumbersome. It doesn't feel really good when you're skating, but it works. So my friends over at powerskater.com have come up with an unbelievable invention. They've basically taken the weights and they've made it easier. So if you want to take to their game to the next level, this is what you have to do. You, you buy these weights and they stay attached right to your skates. It's unbelievable. You work harder with every shift. You play with them in practice. When you take these weights off, you feel like you're getting shot out of a cannon. It's unbelievable. I, I, I've done this when I was a player and I wish I would have had these things because the things that I used were absolutely terrible. And if, if you want to know what I'm talking about, you go to powerskater.com. That's power, S-K, the number eight, R.com. And I promise you, I promise you, if you buy these things and they don't work, I'll give you your money back because they are that good. 
You try them for a week, you try them for a month, you take them off, you'll notice how easy it is to skate, how fast your feet move, how quick your steps get, how powerful your strides are. It is It revolutionized skating for me. And I, I'm slow. These things may be able to keep up. So go to powerskater.com. That's power, S-K-H-R.com. Use promo code Scott Allstar. You'll get $5 off. I should even be giving you money off. I should be just letting you go there and buy these things because they're that good. If you got a kid, they got little weights. You strap them to his feet. If you're bigger, you weigh more like me. They got heavier weights. They work. I promise you. So go check this out at powerskater.com. Use promo code Scott Allstar for $5 off. You'll thank me later because they'll make you better. They'll make your kids better. You guys will show up for training camp and you'll be like, what happened to this kid? He's like a stinking missile out there. Anyways, go check it out. Powerskater.com. All right, everybody, listen up. Your company's salary cap is probably tighter than it's ever been, and you can't afford to miss on a new hire. Every person you add needs to fit just right, just like Tim does on the podcast. He fits perfect. That's where Indeed helps you hire great people faster. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates instantly with Indeed Instant Match. So you can do the part you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality short list faster. Now, you want your quality short list fast? You need Indeed right now. Listen up. Our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is Indeed's best offer anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash blue wire offer is valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. We've had a few goalies on the show and they talk about kind of the interesting dynamic between starter and backup or between two guys split in time. Like who, who, what goalie do you think you had the best relationship with over your career? Well, I had a good relationship with all my guys, you know, whether they're my backups or partners or my partners. Eddie wasn't very nice to me. He was the best goal in the world. We had a good relationship at the beginning. And then once, you know, I had a good year and, you know, I knew everybody. You go through two cup runs but not playing. I mean, I knew everybody, you know. Trainers, everybody. Media, right? Just a lot of sitting around, hanging around time. And so, you know, Eddie moved me one year, my second year in the league. He moved me so he couldn't see me. Called the trainer behind this other pole. I couldn't put my stupid equipment in my stalls like this big. I got gloves. I'm like, <laughs> so from there, I'm like, I'm not teaching. You know, I'm not going to treat anybody like that. He, he was. I mean, yeah, he was good to me. He was awesome. But uh, he moved me though. That's a fact. And so after that, I think um, you know, I had Ron Tugnet. We had a great relationship. Um, and you know, on Hedberg, loved Moose. Man, he was. We had a lot of fun. And then, but you know, it's kind of Dan Alice, Jason Bakashwa, Mike Smith. And Mike Smith lived at my house for two years. So Smitty and I still have a great rapport. I mean, we're still, you know, best of friends. And uh, he finally played uh, a game and he's still playing 30 years old and uh, kind of taught him as much as I could. So I might say Smitty's the uh, uh, probably best professional relationship I have. And, and my partner in Michigan, I had him for four years. We were the same age, same time. Greg Malachy is a doctor now, lives over in Grand Rapids with his wife and two two girls. Still skates with the Red Wing alumni. This guy's crazy. I'm like, I'm not putting the pads on, dude. So 
uh, my goalie partnerships have been, you know, almost all awesome. And, uh, and I think it's important, you know, you talk about the greatest team sport in, in the world and only one guy can play. And if you're kind of at each other's throats or hate each other, it just kind of spills over, you know, to the locker room, not saying you can't be competitive, like, Hey, we all want to play that, 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 that aside, but it doesn't mean you can't uh, do what's best for the team. And, um, I got a good chance, lucky enough to be able to show guys the ropes, uh, a few times over the years. So you mentioned Smitty, did you teach him how to handle the puck? Is that where he learned it? We, he didn't just, well, he, he wasn't turning his hand over. So I got him to turn his hand over and then, and then, but he was, he's an athlete. Like he's just, he's a big dude, man. Oh, he's, he's a big guy. Yeah. Or he's got long arms. Um, but he's a, he's a really good athlete. And yeah. so. He, he could already shoot it down the ice really far. He already had a cannon of a shot, but the, just the nuances of, you know, keeping it clean, keeping it simple, why I was doing things in order to, you know, efficiency, right? Like, I'm like, hey, we're not playing the game for highlights. We're playing the game to win. And, and you and I got an asset where we could shoot the puck, shoot it hard, shoot it accurate. Um, let's, here's how we take advantage of it. And so just taught him how to communicate with the defensemen, uh, how to treat defensemen. Uh, and just worked on it every day and just refined those skills, you know, one after another. It's kind of like we did with Crow and uh, a little bit in Chicago, just got him off and running. But uh, Smitty was a, he was just a sponge. He wanted to, he wanted to fire it. Uh, he scored two goals in his professional career. I can only take credit for one of them, uh, but he still moves it. He's still one of the best and I love watching him and uh, really proud of the career that he's had. I know I played for both of you guys and it was, it made it so easy as a defenseman to go back and you knew you never had to go get the puck in the corners or behind the net. It was so easy to play with you guys because if you have a goalie who can make that breakout pass, it just makes life so much easier. Like, did you know going into the NHL that you had this as a tool or was it just one of those things where it's like, oh, whatever, maybe. Like, how often did you work on that? Because it's so so much – it's like such an asset to have. Yeah, I'm going to go through my thank you letter drawers, and I don't see one from you, John, in here. Well, you know why? Let me tell you why. Oh, I, I, I was going to be a plus one year, and you decided to throw a puck up the middle, and some guy picked it off with his hand, and I turned around, and you're nowhere to be found. It was an empty, and I'm like, Marty, come on. It was going to be like one of my only years I was a plus, and I ended up even. I was like, thanks a lot, Marty. <laughs> uh, uh, don't worry. I moved the puck out of the zone. I got you to be a, be a, an even is really how the story should go, but – you know, I was just being um, – I, I played a lot of Ford. And, you know, being in the Sioux, we had outdoor rinks. And, there wasn't, you know, there's no internet, no nothing. Video games were that important. I played a lot of hockey. You know, and mostly Ford, you know, shooting tennis balls, hawks and outdoor rinks. My dad built me a rink in our backyard. And so I, played, I worked on my skills uh, a lot. Um, but I wasn't big enough, strong enough to shoot it really hard. And even at Michigan – I started shooting better at the end of the career, but I'd still play it, you know, the regular way with uh, the way you shoot a normal stick. But we have 13-degree lie sticks. And so when I was in the minors, um, I kind of happenstance to flip my hand over. One day I was just pissed off that I kept, you know, you get a puck rimmed and it's on your back end, that toe is just not going to leverage. And so I, I whiffed on a couple in the drill and then I just got mad and I just turned my hand over and I jammed it into the boards and I actually turned my hand back over, played it the regular way. And then we introduced four checkers to the drill. And I had to move the puck really fast one time with my hand like a claw like that. And, mm-hmm. and then I realized and I snapped it good. And then all of a sudden I had a little sauce. And next thing you know, I had a I could had leverage because you're in an athletic position. I'm rimming it around the glass. And so once once I turned my hand over, I mean I I'd, I'd probably shoot an average of hundred bucks a day on the ice. 
you know, even when drills were going on and you're down there getting yelled at by whatever coach, I'm down here snapping pucks off the off the post, off the crossbar, passing guys in the line. You know, everybody's got ADD, so they can't focus for that long. So I'm just working on my sauce, always playing with my sticks. And, and you know, the gloves, too, are important. You're like, you know, you got a big catching mid, right? But you got to be able to grip the stick a little bit. Yeah. And so it was a work in progress. I'd say there's a few goals that went in because my glove was a little bit smaller, but um, I thought it, uh, the advantage outweighed playing the puck and keeping the puck out of our zone for – for most of the game and um you know it was an advantage my defenseman loved it and you know we, i thought it was a good part of winning so i, I didn't know it was going to be an advantage but just worked out and worked at it and, and i really tell you did that um gainey uh kit hitchcock and, and eddie eddie was a pretty decent puck mover and yeah. so when i got to dallas they were kind of used to it and i just took it to the next level so coaches need to give you confidence and not rein you in and when you make mistakes like you described earlier you know, the one time I made a mistake when you're on the ice, uh, that that they don't get mad at you. They don't put the handcuffs on. So that, that that's really important. So you, you got to get to earn that trust. You got to work at it. And they'd see me every day snapping pucks, you yeah. know, with feet, over ears, you know. And uh, But the skating was a big part of it for me, too, just to get out there and be able to track that puck, get to it, and then make a good play with it. Um, you know, it's built up over time. But it was, it was mostly a strength issue. And then once I flipped my hand – and it just was the magic secret sauce for me. Did you ever have competitions with other goalies who, who would get the most points? Because uh, how many points do you have in your career? Do you know? Not that many, you know, I'll be honest with you, because uh, I play with guys like Steve Odd and Brendan Morrow, and I'd set them on breakaways, and you think they'd ever score? I'm like, no, they're terrible. So, <laughs> you know, we had Yuri Latin so Yuri would never blow the zone, right? He'd always be right over here waiting for me, playing the right position. Um, so I never had competitions with anybody, um, you know, I mean, not that I recall. And, you know, and I passed the Zuboff and of course he'd take 180 strides and, you know, fake people out. He didn't really want to score. He just wanted to hang on to the puck. So, you know, it wasn't conducive to scoring. We were a low scoring team, uh, but we won a lot of hockey games. And that's why I was bred, man. Just it's all about winning. It's not about accolades, number yeah. points, but um I think I deserved a lot more points, but I, don't, I didn't have that. I love penalty minutes, but I didn't have that many points. Not a lot of guys finishing. So, okay. I, I was debating whether to ask this because it's it's not a great highlight for you, but it, we, we've mentioned his name before. I interviewed Logan Couture, and this guy absolutely, like, dangled him inside it out, made him fall, and I, I just wanted to know what he was thinking. So I'm going to do it to you, and I apologize before. What were you thinking when Datsuk had a breakaway on you and he did his Datsukian move? Like, what, what's yeah. going through your head? Well, I had, there was, there was, um, but never seen it yet. Right. And yeah. this was at an era where we were doing shootouts. So you'd watch more film cause you just, you know, you'd see it and, you know, you watch Detroit and the, you know, that's too, cause the man was, you know, one of the best players I've ever seen. He scared the shit out of me just cause he could shoot it like so fast. He didn't have to move. He just let snap his wrist. And so that particular season, I was not, I was that part of that season. I was not playing well. And so you get into Joe Louis Arena where I hadn't had a win yet anyway. It was like, just make sure they got the little Caesars pizza rolling. It's going to be hungry by the end of the second period. <laughs> uh, eating some. I, I don't know if I think it was late in the game anyway, but you know, he's coming down. It's like, all right, man, you know, hopefully he hits me or shoots it wide. And so he gave me, which wasn't too much of a, of a juke. And I, you know, start sliding to the right corner and, he kind of did the Michael Jackson moonwalk mm-hmm. and thingy 
And and the, and after watching the highlight, you know, I was already disheveled before he even scored. But I think he he like put it underneath the bar. I'm like, I, when I saw the highlight, I wasn't embarrassed enough just because I was, you know, I'd played well in ten games and lost another one in Detroit. I was like, I'm gonna kill this guy if I can ever catch him. Well, you know what's, what I thought was the best? He started doing it. I think Thomas Belkoon got lit up in a shootout. I'm like, yep. don't these idiots watch the tape? Like, you know, first guy is fine, but you can't let that happen again. My first game was when he did it versus Minnesota. So I think it was maybe that year or the next year. And he came down. It was a shootout. And he just went, boom, on Josh Harding. And I was like, man, like, yeah, you knew he had done it twice before. I don't understand. Yeah, he's just – there's nobody like him, you know. He's like Kaiser yeah. Sote. He's one, one leg shorter than the other. You see him off the ice, you're like, all right, yeah, let's go, you bum. Yeah. And then you get him on the ice, man. He was just such a magician. And, you know, him the way he pickpocketed people going through the neutral zone, like you just couldn't hear him coming or something. I don't know what it was, but he was – I love watching him play. And, you know, it, just imagine if it was you that did it to me versus him. <laughs> I could live with him. I couldn't live with you doing that shit. I don't blame you. All right, one last one. Let me ask you. So you came in a retirement, a quasi-retirement to sign with the Bruins. I've always wondered, how did that go down? What, what, what happened with that? So I, I still um, – I was playing in Salzburg, Austria. I was playing for the Red Bulls. So this was the year after, you know, we, you and I were together. And so I was doing TV for NHL Network. I was in the Lake House to Toronto. Uh, Salzburg calls me and says, or the Red Bulls is like, Hey, you know, can you come play this tournament for us? Our goalie's terrible and we want to win this thing. And it was a European championship. All the winners from, from eight different leagues play in one tournament in Salzburg, maybe six teams. No, I think it was eight teams. Anyway, um, three games, three nights, uh, Salzburg and Vienna. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'll go there. And Pierre Paget was a coach. And so I'm the only reason I'm telling you story because I think it's awesome. And, uh, and we, I, I hadn't played a game, you know, I, I missed, you know, Crawford played in Chicago the last 30 games straight. I didn't play mm-hmm. once. It was, it was like 10 months since my last start. And anyway, we, we win, we beat a team from the Czech Republic and we play a team from uh, Sweden the next night. And then we win, you know, we're playing Austrian team. We're, not, we're the worst league of all of them. And then we end up playing uh, Jokerit from Finland. And anyway, we end up beating them. So I'm like, I'm hero. They send me on vacation. They paid for it all. And, and I go back and they're like, hey, come on back. Well, and, you know, I'm like, nah, I'm done. I'm retiring. If I don't get an NHL job, I want nothing. Anyway, they paid me enough to, <laughs> to go back. And uh, we end up losing. Kelly and Finley, who Finley, my little guy, is 12 now. He was only, I didn't know if he was two yet. They came over. My parents were bringing over. Uh, my girls who were in school for their spring break and I had planned this whole Italy trip, you know, it's right there. And uh, so my wife and I were, she wasn't feeling well from her shot flying over. I was watching ESPN America. The Bruins were playing. I don't remember who Chuka was in that. And the, the trade deadline just happened on that previous Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm like, all right, my career's done. Trade deadline's over, whatever. And, uh, and then I took, it gets hurt. And I'm like, you know, like five days earlier, you know, that would have been amazing. It's not nothing against Tuca, but you know what I mean? And, yeah. And uh, so we're at my wife's birthday dinner the next day, just the three of us. And Sunday in, in, in Austria, not much is open. And my agent calls and he's like, get to a fax machine. I'm like, dude, you know where I'm at? There's no, no one's open. Anyway, I find a hotel, get a fax from him. 
uh, Peter Shirelli called and said, hey, we want to sign Turco. I'm like, dude, the no trade deadline is come and gone. He's like, well, that was a roster freeze, but they could still sign people. But it never happens because they got a minor league team full of players, right, that they can yeah. just pluck from. And so the rule was I can sign. I had to be subjected to waiver wires, but I couldn't play in the playoffs because that roster had already been submitted. Oh, okay. So there's usually no need for these guys, right? So Tuca was hurt. Anton Hudobin, who yep. was in the minors, he was hurt. That was his first year. So they had this young kid, and I think it was um, Hutchinson. Uh, he was like 20, and Shirelli's like, we need Tim, – Tim Thomas, him and I were the same age. We were super close. They're like, hey, we need somebody to pay, play, you know, four, five, six games for him because mm-hmm. we don't want to blow him out for – you know, you guys are old. So I said, yeah, I'm ready. So anyway, they end up signing. I left in the middle of the night and I had to book my own flight because I don't speak German. Red Bull office is closed. I left my wife and son there. I'm like, here's a number. Call them tomorrow. <laughs> Good luck getting back. And she's like, you serious? I'm like, <laughs> sorry, honey, got to go. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, we're back on healthcare, baby. We got the <laughs> <laughs> That's like, so oh, true. <laughs> that's awesome oh, that's yeah. unbelievable yeah so we played uh first my career at the bruins they and then the playoffs came away we won the division the next day they're all in playoff meetings and i'm packing my shit up and they're like hey do you want to stay in practice i was like no i'm good <laughs> i'm gonna go that's so cool i never knew that that's unbelievable yeah that's funny oh marty this was fun man all right last one for my listeners where, where when can i get this beer in michigan like what's going on with your beer well, I got to tell you, um, we got five different kinds. Um, this is my favorite. It's a Czech style lager, but we, we've been, a, we've been there. We've been at Joe Woods down in, um, uh, a Joe's wine, fine wine, I think it is in, in Gross Point Woods. Uh, we've been a few places, but never, I've never had any employees there. I've never done any marketing there. Um, just through connections we've, we've had it. So we got five great SKUs. Uh, we will come back. I'm going to probably say, yep. Q-Q. So I'll probably start the next NHL season. We sold these in Little Caesars at Comerica Park and a few different places. So kingsofbrewing.ca uh, is what we have. Um, there's just some available around there, here and there. But um, and anyway, it'll be exciting. So cool thing for the Michigan. Uh, my cousin and I own it. Uh, we still own the majority of it. 127 is on the can. That's how many wins I have in um, in in an NCAA, which is the NCAA record, and nobody will ever break it. And we put it on our can just because what it took. You know, all that stories we've been telling about getting to 127 wins, the sweat, the tears, the blood, the fighting with each other, the schoolwork, all that stuff, you know, was um, how we want to view our company, our staff, our team. It's like, hey, let's – you don't try to get the 127. You just got to put the work in every day. So, anyway, yeah. I look forward to coming here. I know your beer guy will send you a whole bunch, uh, you and Tim, if, as long as it's, see, it's 127, Tim. You got to get the numbers right. Okay, bud. 127. Make <laughs> uh, sure hockey reference has that right, too. And actually, it's, uh, that one's leaking a little bit. I think my wife threw it at me. <laughs> yeah, we got some great beers. So I appreciate you guys, man. It was a lot of fun. All right, Marty Turco. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Always a pleasure. We'll be in touch. Tim, anything else? No, thanks for coming on, Marty. This was great. Yeah, man. Do it again. Right, everybody. See Thank you, you for listening. We'll see you, Marty. Cheers, buddy. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at dropping underscore gloves for episode highlights, behind the scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise including t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. 
It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks, and see you next time.